You doing all right, G-Man? It's good to see everyone this morning and those who are joining us electronically. We're grateful for your presence. It's been a couple of years since uh, uh, my wife, Sue, and I have been able to come down and, and to uh, visit family. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I appreciate your prayers in behalf of surgeries that I've had to have and uh, doctors telling me I'm not allowed to travel and things of that nature. The problem, of course, comes that especially at my age when uh, you, you uh, stay away for two years, it's hard to remember all of the names. And, of course, there's a lot of new faces here, some I met last night and some this morning. But uh, as we grow a little older, uh, that memory doesn't quite work right. My comb tells me I'm losing my hair. Uh, Brother Keith tells me I'm losing my eyesight. And my wife tells me I'm losing my hearing. Jim, I, 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 thought, I thought she'd just run out of things for me to do. <laughs> Turns out that wasn't the case. When we think about what goes on in everyday life. You talk to friends, you talk to neighbors, you talk to them about the Lord, you talk to them about becoming a Christian, about God, and some people listen and some don't. Jesus said many would not. Few are going to find eternal life. And sometimes we can get discouraged and get to the point where, you know, why bother? People don't want to hear it anymore. But you would be surprised. Earlier this year, our congregation is considerably smaller. We do a lot of the physical work around the place. You sign up to clean the building, you sign up to mow. My wife and I were down to mow for a couple of months. And so we're out there getting ready to mow the yard. And I'm riding, making a pass close to the driveway. And I see a gentleman crossing the street. Now, right across the street from us is the side of the building of Walmart. And that's usually where there'll be some semi-trucks and so forth. They go to unload things. And this gentleman's walking across the street. He's got a Walmart uniform on. And he's waving at me, trying to get my attention. And so I shut the mower off and go over and talk to him. His name was Ernest Campbell. He was a truck driver for Walmart. And uh, we end up having a Bible study for about 45 minutes right there in the front drive. Later, we moved underneath the portico and studied some more. Not that I wasn't wanting to invite him in or anything to sit down and study. It's just that he had all of these questions and he didn't mind standing. Being a truck driver for Walmart, he was on his break. And later, much later, as you'll see in the event, the situation, he told me, he says, I was on my break, and he said, but I've, I've been 
troubled with some things. And I saw you over there mowing, and I got to wondering, I wonder if that's the pastor. Now, of course, he's using a lot of denominational terms. And uh, he told me later, he said, I struggle with that. He said, I wanted to come talk to you, but he too was afraid. He was afraid that maybe I would say, oh, you know, I don't have time or, or uh, I, you don't really have a problem. Just, just go pray to God about it or something. He was, he was afraid of rejection. And yet he got the courage to walk over there. And I shut the mower off, went over and talked to him. And it was a very interesting story that comes up. And when I got through, I got to thinking, I just got through seeing a fellow who had the qualities of Zacchaeus and the Ethiopian eunuch, the treasure of Candace, queen of Ethiopia. And we've all heard these stories. We're going to look at them again briefly, but... The beauty of it is, most of us have heard these stories for most of our life. And yet, they are stories that set forth qualities that all of us should have, even as Christians. It was interesting, he had some nagging questions that were bothering him. He said, I got some questions. I wondered uh, if you would uh, you know, ha have the time to, to talk about it. Well, you know, he was asking the right person. But all of us would have the time, wouldn't we? Well, sure. And so he said, here's the thing. I became a Christian, and he was talking, you know, in his terms, in his understanding, belief, that he had become a Christian. And, but then he says, I got into doing some really bad things. But, but, but I've repented of them. Years ago, he said, I haven't done them anymore. He said, but I still don't feel right. How, how can I be confident that I'm saved? I, I'm, does God really forgive me? Well, we began to talk about that. And I told him, I said, well, you can have confidence. I said, but not the way men say that you're going to have confidence. Many are going to tell you, oh, yes, Ernest, if you were saved, you know, once you're saved, you can never be lost. And he had a little bit of understanding. This, by the way, brethren, in case I forget to say this somewhere later in the lesson, this man read his Bible. And I'm not saying this to shame or to belittle but of the brethren that I have known through the years, I would say that he had every bit the biblical knowledge of 70% of my brethren. I would start to cite a verse and he would finish it for me. From Old Testament to New. He spent his time, as you, you fellows, you know, some, some of you guys probably have driven semi-truck or know someone who has, Certain routine there, they can only drive so many hours, have to take a break, and so forth. And he spent that time reading his Bible year after year after year after year. He's in his early 50s. And that was the first thing that struck me. 
I thought, man, this guy is finishing my sentences for me as I would start to quote a passage. And that's a good thing. And he had a little bit of understanding of Calvinism. And so I told him, I said, it's not going to be through the doctrine, men's doctrine of once saved, always saved. I said, but God wants you to know that you're saved. I said, Peter reminds us in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You notice sometimes it's the obvious things that uh, escape us. Peter wasn't talking or preaching like you see in the book of Acts, Paul preaching to those who aren't Christians. He was writing to those who had a like precious faith. Look at chapter 1 and verse 1. He's writing to Christians. And he's warning Christians not to follow these false teachers, chapter 2. And in chapter 3, he's telling them, God wants us to repent. Not the person who's never become a Christian. Yes, they have to repent. God wants you and me to repent. Because there's coming a, a judgment day. And seeing that these things are going to be. What manner of life should we be living? Well, one of repentance if we're committing sins. I told him, I said, that's what God wants. And if you've done that, then you're doing what God wants. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. We, we've all, uh, uh, 13, excuse me. We've all known this verse. Where God, I, I told him, I said, the, the Lord is watching over us. And he's not going to allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able to bear. But with that temptation, he provides a way of escape. And oftentimes we stop there. But the passage says that we may endure it. Sometimes we want God to take the uh, temptation away. That's not what the passage says. It says you can endure temptation. And God will see to it that if, if that's your desire. And so I told him, if your desire is to do, do good, then, then God will see to it you're not tempted beyond what you're able to bear. It sounds to me like we should have confidence in our salvation. And we can. Paul writing to Timothy, God who would have all men be saved. That gets rid of a lot of your Calvinism. This idea that there's a, a certain, and he brought that up. He said, but you know, what, what about the elect? And under Calvinism, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but we know that under Calvinism, the idea is that God has chosen or elected cert, certain group of people to be saved and a, another group of people to be reprobate. And as one Calvinist said, the number is so fixed as to not be changed by one. It is a fixed number. And of course you ask the question, well, why, why, why would God have a group of people to be reprobate? The answer of the Calvinist is, don't you question God's sovereignty. Don't you question the right of God to do what he wants to do. 
Well, I don't, and you don't either. It's not a matter of questioning whether God has the right to do something. I question whether, as man, I can put on God the idea that he would make such a group. The passage says in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, God who would, which is past tense of will, God wills that everybody be saved. Now, the Calvinist comes along and adds the word, everybody he's elected. But that's not what the passage says. Friend, if you are not a Christian today, God wants you to be saved. And he wants everyone who's not a Christian to be saved. That's what the passage says. So I told him, if God wants you to be saved, you can be confident of that. But not through this doctrine that just simply says, once you've been saved, there's no way you can be lost. And by the way, when I brought that up, he goes, yeah. You know, Paul did talk about the fact that I buffet my body and bring it under subjection, lest by any means I should also be cast away. <laughs> He's quoting these verses. Some of it, you know, King James and whatnot. little change there. But nevertheless, he understood. I said, that's exactly right. Paul had to be careful. Nevertheless, if he were, and if he were to sin, 1 John chapter 1, the whole chapter is talking about the fact that if we're willing to confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of all transgressions. The blood of Jesus is able to cleanse us of all transgressions. I said, there's nothing you've done that God can't forgive or the blood can't atone for. So yes, you can be confident. We said, well, in talking about this once saved, always saved, but doesn't the Bible say, didn't Jesus said, you know, of, of his sheep, no one would snatch him out of my hand? I said, yes. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The Bible doesn't say if the sheep decide to follow another shepherd, they can't do it. It's all the difference in the world in the fact that, uh, you know, here's my wallet, all right? And let's say the Lord were to make a promise that nobody was, would be able to pickpocket me, snatch it from me. We all understand what that means. So... Brother Sean comes up and he said, well, Steve, show me that picture that's uh, in your wallet. And I go, what? It's, it's not here. Oh, I must have given it to my wife. Well, I don't have it anymore. Yeah, because I gave it away. And we can walk away from the Lord if we want to. We can start following the devil. And the Bible talks about those who've been cleansed. Obviously, by the blood of the lamb, but they're they're like the the pig, you know, that's been washed, and it it just goes back and gets in the mud hole again. We can do that if we want to. Oh, okay, he said. I see that. Yeah, I said, but no one's going to snatch it. There, there's your confidence. A person who wants to follow Jesus, devil can't come along and just take you away. There's your confidence. Well, he said, I still, I still feel bad. 
Five years ago I repented. I haven't done those things anymore. Should I be baptized again? Well, I didn't answer that question right away. I did say what you need to do is you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. Because that's what Acts 2 and verse 38 says. That's what Peter told those on the day of Pentecost. They were feeling bad, weren't they? They were pricked in their heart. It, it finally comes to the conviction of their heart, I've crucified someone that God's made both Lord and Christ. I'm in trouble. What should I do, Peter? Well, need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. I said that was the purpose of baptism. And we went on to talk about the fact that there's a difference in being baptized for various reasons and this baptism for remission of sin. I said, do you remember Saul of Tarsus when Ananias came to him and told him and said, Saul, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sin." And friends, if, you, if you're here today and you haven't been baptized for the remission of sins, if your understanding has been like Ernest was, his understanding was that all you have to do is believe in order to be saved. And his understanding was that Saul of Tarsus was saved on the road to Damascus, like many others believe, because, you know, he saw the Lord Jesus. And I said, Ernest, I said, why did Ananias tell him, arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins? I said, how can you be a Christian, be saved, and yet you're still accountable for your sins? The wages of sin is death. Well, he, he thought about that a little bit. He, he didn't fight me on it. He's thinking. And I went on to tell him, I said, look at Romans chapter 6. Paul said that these Christians were buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. I said, do you become a Christian by simply saying, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Or like one fellow, I don't know if they've had the ad here on TV, but just in the last couple of weeks, there, there's a fellow, Pastor Laurie, and he's standing walking there by the beach. And, and you, know, you know, all of that is done for effect. I'm sitting there thinking, what's the point of the beach, you know? But he doesn't even have a Bible in his hand, and he's walking around, and he's talking about having a relationship with God. If you want to have it, he says, pray this prayer, Lord, you know, I'm a sinner. I, I want to devote my life to you. And he said, it's just like two or three sentences, he said, if you prayed that prayer... You know, God's heard you. Well, yeah, but that's not the issue. God hears everything. The issue is, what is the power of God unto salvation? Well, the Bible says the gospel is. Romans 1, verse 16, 15, 16. It's, it, it's the power of God unto salvation. And so Paul, writing to these Romans, says that you're buried and then raised to walk in newness of life. 
I said, how is it that people say that you become a Christian by simply believing that Jesus Christ is God's son? You're born again, you see. That, that, that's all great. But you don't have newness of life? You need to be baptized later? So you're born again, you got a new life, then you're baptized, you die, then you get another new life? But when you look back at what Peter said here, these people, they feel bad at what they've done. They repent. They're baptized. As Ananias says, you wash away your sins. Well, it sounds like you've got a new life ready for you. He didn't fight me on it. He didn't agree, right? He, he didn't say he agreed or disagreed. He just, just listening. But he had some questions. He said, but what, what, what about that passage that says... That, you know, there, there's no more sacrifice for sin. I said, if you're talking about Hebrews 10, it's just simply saying, if we sin, who are the we there? He's writing to Christians, and here are Christians who know better. Reagan was just telling me, and we've all known situations about somebody, you know, who's been a Christian all their life, and then finally they start sinning, and they're even confronted about it, and it's like, whatever. If we sin willfully, we, we who, we who are Christians, we who know better, we need to keep in mind, there's no, there's no more, sac different sacrifice out there, there's another sacrifice, there's another path. As we've already studied this morning, as we've already remembered this morning in the Lord's Supper, there's just that which is given to us through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Oh. How is it that I met Zacchaeus and the Ethiopian eunuch in him? Open your Bibles if you would, Luke 19. I know you know the story, but it's good just to see in the verses what takes place. First of all, <clears throat> we see that in the case of Zacchaeus, he took whatever he had to do. Whatever he had to do, he wanted to do it in order to get to know more about Jesus. In fact, that's what it says when it says he sought to see Jesus who he was. And he had heard a lot about him, but he wanted to know, who are you? What do you stand for? What are you saying? It was a little deeper than just this cursory, oh yeah, Jesus, call his name out now and then. He wanted to know who he was. But he couldn't because of the crowd. And that was because he was of little stature. And so the Bible says he ran on up ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When you can't find the answers, what do you do? Well, there's a whole group of people, and you might subdivide them, but basically there's two groups, right? The group that says, ah, I don't know. And then there's the other group that says, I don't know, and I'm going to find out. And that's what Zacchaeus was doing. And that's what this man was doing. When it was all over, he said, Steve, you don't know. He said, I, I walked up and down. I saw you over there. I thought, 
Should I go? No. I don't want to bother him. Finally, I just, you know, just got, I just, I'm going to go over there. And that's what I mean by I saw Zacchaeus. If you really want to know, there are all kinds of brothers and sisters in this congregation. Ladies, you, you may feel uncomfortable talking to some. There are sisters here who know their Bible. They will talk with you. Just ask them after services. And if you're a Christian and you're struggling with something, ask one of the brethren. Ask Reagan. Ask the elders. Brother Hancock. Ask them. They want to talk with you. They're going to yell at you. They'll tell you what God has to say. But you've got to do whatever it takes if you want to find your answer. Well, Jesus comes and sees him, verse 5, and the Bible says he, Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide in thy house. And I love the next verse. The first part of the next verse was, and he made haste. If we're going to get anywhere in our life spiritually, when the Bible says to do something, do it. That's what James says, right? That It's not the hearer who's blessed, but the one who hears and who does what God says. He didn't mosey on down, you know. The Lord said, hurry up and get down. The Bible says he hurried up and got down. That's the formula. That's going to show the difference. Not this idea, well, I've been wanting to. That, that's good. Do it. If we're talking about what God said, I've been wanting to. And so he responds. And he was ready to welcome Jesus into his home, even despite what others said. Think about it. Look at verse 6. So he hastened and came down and received him joyfully, that is, in, in his home. And when they saw it, that is the rest of that multitude, they all murmured saying, he's gone in to lodge with a man that's a sinner. But you see, this guy is focused. He wants to know more about the Lord. And the Lord is talking to him about the importance of coming into his home. And so it's like, okay, here's my occasion. And all these other people are calling him a sinner. And it's like, whatever. You've got to ignore the noise. You've got to leave that. Just, just leave that away. And focus upon what the Bible says. Not what your uncle, who's a pastor over here, or, or, or you know, a grandpa who was this or that, or, or what your mom and dad did. You focus upon what God says. And if somebody is citing, telling you, look, turn here and read this, and you read it, listen to it. And he was willing to repent. And he told him so. If I've extorted, done anything wrong, he said, I'll make it right. And Jesus said, today a salvation come to your house. And, and, and I found that in earnest. He was willing to listen to what I had to say. He, he, it wasn't this constant, well, what about, what about, what about? He had questions, but he 
Would he let me at least finish my sentence? Have you ever talked to people who didn't allow you to even complete a sentence? Yeah. Nod your head this way. <laughs> yeah, you have. They come to the door sometime, which is great. And, and my wife tells me, stay focused. But I, I got to tell you, for the first time in my life, I'm not going to stay focused. <laughs> this is my hearing. <laughs> These two Jehovah Witnesses came to the door. Like four, four days ago. It was last week. And no, it was earlier this week. Time flies. And they actually listened to me. And I listened to them. We stood there for an hour until the pre programmed horn in the car began to beep. And one of them said, Oh, I've got an appointment. Okay. But one of them was listening. One of them said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back and study some more about what you said about this and this and that. I said, okay, that's good. But most of the time, you know, it's all this what aboutism. Well, what about over here? What about over here? What? You know, every time you, they, they get pinned by the scripture, it's, well, what about over here? You know, sort of the distraction, you know, like a squirrel, that type of thing. Not, not earnest. He listened. But let's go to Acts chapter 8. And we're familiar with this story about the Ethiopian eunuch. And in Acts chapter 8, when the Spirit tells Philip to join himself to this chariot, this fellow who had gone to Jerusalem, traveled all the way from northern Africa up to Jerusalem to worship God. But, you know, when you're dedicated, distance isn't a problem. And the Bible tells us that he was on his way back. And what was he doing? He was reading the Scripture. I know they didn't have cell phones back then, but the point is he wasn't just constantly distracted by something, you know, all the Facebook or, you know, and everything. He was reading. And this is what Ernest... Ernest read all the time God's Word. And that's what made it so easy in many respects to cite scripture i mean after all i don't know about reagan i think i know about reagan but you know it's kind of hard to get on a writing more and you know have your bible out there and 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 with most of you you're at work you're traveling you're doing whatever and someone asks you a biblical question you start to giving them an answer but you don't have your bible with you if you got your phone you do you know but I didn't have my phone with me or anything like that. And so I was dealing with someone, though, who read Scripture. And that's what it was with Philip, wasn't it? And so as we look at that story again, like the eunuch, Ernest had nagging questions. And so, so did the, you know, Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He goes, no, I don't. And, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but that's the point. You know the story. I, I, is the fellow talking about himself? When, when you see the, the trials of Isaiah 53, is, is he talking about what he's going to have to go through, or is he talking about somebody else? And we know that Philip, from that passage, began to preach unto him Jesus. And so he desired to know more. Do you understand what you're reading? 
And the fellow said, how can I, verse 31, except someone shall guide me? And he sought Philip to come up with him. Friend, if you want to know what to do to be saved, if you want to know as a Christian how to deal with a problem, be it, be it maybe it's a home and family, marriage problems, problems with your employment, problems with struggles of sin, whether it be uh, drugs, alcohol, pornography, addictive type behaviors. If you want to know how to deal with those type of things, you got to talk to people. And this fellow is very humble. Not only was Ernest humble, so is the eunuch. He's very humble. How can I accept somebody teach me? And then he saw. He said, "Please come up here into the chariot." And one of the things you will find is that people who are strong spiritually are so because they push themselves to be. They ask the questions. They want to know. He sought, the Bible says, what you never find. Now, the Lord said, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. What if Zacchaeus hadn't done that? If I know the Lord, he would have moved on. Because you have to want to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Strive, the Lord said, strive to enter in. But today, Jesus gets painted as, oh, please, would, would you just please become a Christian for me, please, you know. And Philip is like, come on now, I, really, I, I need to preach to you. A lot of it's with the hearer. And so it is, he desired to know more. He wasn't angered when he was challenged, you know. What, what, hey, you know who I am? I'm treasurer. I'm over all of the treasury of Queen Candace of the Ethiopian. You trying to imply, I don't know what I'm reading. I'm a really smart man. You know, he doesn't do any of that. Because none of us knows everything, do we? Being humble, please come up here and teach me. And that's what he and that's what Ernest was as well during our conversation. And he had an open mind. The eunuch had an open mind. He's willing to look at this Old Testament prophecy of the suffering of the Christ and his crucifixion and see how it was fulfilled in the New Testament. Because the Bible says he preached unto him Jesus. You read Isaiah, you don't see the word Jesus there, but that's who's there, isn't it? And he's willing to acknowledge that. He's willing to make a change. And so was Ernest. He wasn't fighting for his denomination. He just wanted to know. It was about an hour and a half. We're standing under the portico at this time, talking. And he understands now that, yes, we must confess Jesus as Lord. He didn't need to be convinced about repentance. But he began to see that baptism was for the remission of sin. That that's when he would come in contact with the benefits of the blood of Christ was when he was buried with Christ. I didn't bring up the subject. Like I said, in the very first part of the discussion, 
you think I need to be baptized again? I, I just observed the Passover on that. And an hour and a half later, he says, what about being baptized? And he actually quoted the eunuch. He says, well, what about being baptized again? What hinders me? This is a quote. He says, what hinders me from being baptized? Of course, I knew where he was quoting. You do too. I said, nothing. I said, I'll baptize you right now if you want to. He said, I do. So we walked in, get baptized. It's kind of funny. He said, yeah, I don't mind getting wet. He says, I'll just walk around a while in the wind and dry off. I said, that's okay. I said, just like here today. If you're here today and you're thinking about becoming a Christian, they have garments that you can put on. It, it, not that it wasn't that long ago. There were days people just got baptized in whatever they were wearing. And he was ready to do that. So, well, we got some garments you can put on, and that way your clothes don't get wet. But that's exactly what he said. I'll just walk around the wind and dry out. Kind of like the lady one time, her husband was make an excuse for her. We were having a Bible study, and they finally realized they need to be baptized in order to be saved. He said, well, the problem, he said, my wife is deathly afraid of water. And she put her hand on it. She said, that's okay. If I have to do it, I'm going to do it. And she was baptized. You don't have to be afraid, but you might be. But if you really want... To be saved, it's not hard. When's the best time to obey the Lord? Paul writing to the Corinthians says that the acceptable time is now. Why? Because it's the only time that you're guaranteed. Now is the only time. That guaranteed. I can't tell you about Ernest and his happiness. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch went on his way rejoicing, when this guy came up out of the water of baptism, he immediately started to pray. He said, thank you. Thank you, God, for your mercy and for your grace and for your patience. And thank you for Jesus dying on the cross. He was so happy. He felt so good. And that's exactly right. And he expressed it to the Lord in thanksgiving. And you can do that today as well. The lessons that we learned from that day. Well, for those of us who have been serving the Lord for some time, we need to recognize how important it is to continue to study and read our Bibles. We tend to forget things. But we have to be ready to give an answer concerning that hope that's within us. We're headed home, and, and we need to tell other people about that, and we need to be ready to tell them why that's the case. 
Tell them what the Bible has to say, what the Scripture has to say. There's no such thing as Church of Christ doctrine. Did you hear me preach Church of Christ doctrine today? We read the Scripture. It was the, it was the eunuch who stopped the chariot. Notice Philip didn't say, you know, there's some water there we could stop and you could be back. No. Because if you don't want to do it, and that's why I didn't answer his question. To say, if he doesn't want to do it for the reasons God says, he's just going to get wet again. And it may make us feel good. and We can go tell him, oh, I baptized this fellow. What was he saying? Just tell him what the Bible has to say. And when you do that, you'll make a Christian. I don't think I need to make this point. I had attended a gospel meeting in Ohio. And about halfway through this, well, that, the night of that meeting, there was these three teenagers came forward and said they wanted to be baptized into Christ. Small group, I was asked, I, I, I wasn't the fellow who baptized them. They didn't have a regular preacher there. The, the gospel preacher, fellow doing the meeting, he was getting ready to be baptized. I was asked if I could help, get, help these others get ready. And we look, and there's about that much water in the baptistry. You, you can do it. And we, he did it, you know. But afterwards, a brother invites everybody over to his house, you know, continue to celebrate these new br uh, brothers and a sister in Christ, and come over to his house, and we had refreshments and so forth. And I heard this conversation between two fellows. One of them said to the other who was, he says, how come the baptistry was low? The fellow responsible for the baptistry says, how come that was low? Well, it's been leaking. And I, you know, been thinking about doing something about it. Quote, but I didn't think anybody would be baptized. End quote. If you don't think they're going to be, you're headed down the wrong path. And so I know you're prepared. The question is, for those of you here this morning who haven't become Christians, are you prepared to become a child of God this morning? Are you prepared to serve the Lord? Don't put off your day of salvation. Ernest went on his way rejoicing. And there have been some follow-up. He lives in Indiana. Local preacher there has been talking with him and so forth. And so we, we're still in contact with this good brother, and you'll be in contact too, and you'll be among a great group of people who will love you, help you, help you to grow, help you to serve the Lord, so you too one day can have that home in heaven. Now is the time to do it. Brother Reagan, take your hand, your good confession, baptize you into Christ, and you'll leave this day as happy as Ernest was when he became a Christian. Why not do that? Why not let us know what your desire is as we stand and sing this song? All things are ready.